May I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. This morning's gospel offers us a very small moment. It's kind of a snapshot. We have a widow coming to the temple in Jerusalem and putting into the coffers of the temple all she had to live on. Literally, it says in the text, her whole life. Now, before we consider this moment further, I think it's important that we look at a little bit of the background from this. And there are two sort of modes of background that I'd like us to look at. The first is where this moment lies in the flow of events in Mark's Gospel. And the second is to look at some of the social dynamics surrounding this moment and this event and consider what might have been the circumstances that led to this widow giving her last two pennies to the temple. So first, let's begin with the flow of events, with this timeline that we're in. Jesus and his disciples have already had their triumphal entry into Jerusalem with the donkey and the Palm Sunday and the Hosannas and all that good stuff. And that first day, he and his disciples, it says in the Gospel of Mark, spent the day looking around at everything, sort of like they were scoping out the city, scoping out the temple. They happened to be staying in a town called Bethel outside of Jerusalem, so they went back to where they were staying. The following day they came back, and this was a very big day for Jesus. He cleansed the temple. This is the story, the moment where he's driving out the money changers from the temple and causing this great big scene and this ruckus and turning over the tables and telling them to get out of his father's house because they are sullying the name of his God and his father. It's a very big moment in Jesus' ministry and a very big moment in what's going on in Jerusalem. He and his disciples go back, and the following day they return. And that brings us to this day in the text, to this moment. Jesus has spent the entire day teaching in the temple about various topics. He's been refuting challenges from Sadducees and scribes left and right. And Mark tells us that he had a large crowd listening with delight. So this man who just the day before had come in and overturned the tables in the temple was starting to get some support from the public, some support from the crowds. Uh, people were appreciating his teachings and his refuting of the Sadducees and the scribes and the temple institution as it existed. And then we see this moment this moment of Jesus denouncing the scribes very pointedly, and then him observing this widow putting in her last two pennies. What makes this moment sort of ironic is that the very next thing, as he leaves the temple, one of his disciples points out, Jesus, look at these beautiful stones, these large stones that have built this amazing temple. And Jesus foretells the temple's destruction. 
So in the instant before, Jesus tells us that the temple is going to be utterly destroyed and razed to the ground. He watches a poor widow give her last two cents to this institution. It's very interesting. Now let's look at the social dynamics surrounding this moment in time. The Old Testament is very clear on how widows ought to be treated. There is no ambiguity there. Widows are to be respected and they are to be cared for financially. They were considered some of the most vulnerable people in this society. They had no husbands and widows who had no sons were particularly vulnerable and their sources of income were non-existent essentially. We should also consider who the scribes were in this society. The role of a scribe was one that sort of combined theologian and lawyer. These were learned men who had studied the Old Testament, who had studied the Torah, the law of Moses, and worked in their daily lives to apply that law and to help others follow the law. So their reputation in religious life was of extreme importance because that created business. If a scribe was known as a man who was constantly in the synagogue, who was a prayerful man, who was engaged in the life of the congregation, it would drum up more business for him as a scribe, as one who knows and understands the law. Well, one of the particular jobs that scribes would take on is the care and control of the assets that a widow might have. She would come under the control of this scribe. He would interpret the law for her and help her to manage her finances. And unfortunately, many of these scribes would devour the houses of these widows. They were not good financial stewards of whatever fortunes they may or may not have had. And Jesus was critical of this. He thought that this system of scribes administering the finances of widows was a big racket. And he spoke very clearly against this. <clears throat> we should also keep in mind the temple system the way that the people of this time and place worshipped. Giving a sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem was the one and only way to obtain forgiveness for our sins. And this was one of the reasons why John the Baptist came under fire, was because he was out in the wilderness dunking people in water, declaring them forgiven, when the institution said, no, 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 that's not how it works. You need to come to us. You need to bring us your sacrifices, the choicest of your flocks, the first fruits of your grains. There were very complex rules regarding what one would bring for the forgiveness of sins, what kind of animal would atone one for particular sins. It was very complex. And at this point in the life of the temple and in the life of the religion, these people had wandered so far from the original intentions. 
The original intention of this system was that the humble farmer would choose the firstborn of his flock, perhaps of sheep or goats, and bring this animal along the journey with him to Jerusalem, where this animal would be given to the priests and sacrificed to the glory of God, and this man would find atonement for his sins. But, of course, that changed. It came to be that there was a market opportunity around the temple, that if you just sold animals around the temple, then you could save these poor farmers the hassle of having to transport their animal from point A to point B. So there was no longer the spirit behind this system. And this is what Jesus was critical of. He was critical of the quick and easy shortcuts that the people had found to be, to be a part of this temple system. And he was critical of the priests and the temple institution that accepted this and went along with this. And Jesus' criticism shone very brightly when he went into the temple and overturned the tables of these money changers, of these vendors who were selling and exchanging money all around this idea of sacrifice and who were making money off of the sacrifice of those who traveled to Jerusalem. So this is the context. We have the social context of the temple system. We understand a little bit about who the scribes are and about what the law had said about treating widows with kindness and what the law said about sacrifice and what the law said about the temple. And we also understand a little bit about Jesus and his movement into this society, his movement and his critiques of these systems. And it leads us back to this moment. A widow who has almost nothing left, approaching the big copper urns in the temple and throwing in her last two coins. And they clanked loudly in this big, grand building. And she had given all she had to live on. She gave her whole life. Does knowing the background change the story for you? There's kind of a debate among scholars about what Jesus is really saying about this widow. Does she approve her faith and commitment? Is the message here, go and do likewise? Be like her, give till it hurts? Or is Jesus condemning her for her foolishness? Is he blaming the victim, perhaps? Is Jesus condemning the social structure that has arisen around her and led her to this moment? The question that I have is, if Jesus is critical of her for her foolishness, why didn't he stop her from doing it? He goes on in just a moment to foretell the destruction of the temple and it seems casually witnesses this woman giving away her money to a lost cause. Why doesn't he stop her? 
I think that the problem with looking at the story in this way is that the focus is on Jesus. And the truth is, Jesus is an outside observer to this whole event. He has a prophetic role, but he's also completely removed from it. A whole set of circumstances has led this widow to this moment. And I feel like our focus ought to be on her. How did she feel as her pennies clanked down the sides of the copper jars? I wonder if she felt bitterness and anger. Maybe there was a scribe that had devoured her house and left her penniless. Perhaps she felt just an overall sense of loss, of sadness, of powerlessness, that she was a victim of external, uncontrollable circumstances. And at this point, with only two pennies left, she might as well give them away to the temple. I wonder if maybe she felt some joy, if maybe she felt hope, Maybe she felt that those last two pennies that she had, maybe they wouldn't be able to help her, but perhaps if they were pooled with the generous donations of others, they might help even more people beyond her. Perhaps this was a gift of amazing and abundant strength and generosity. So today in our church, as we celebrate our Pledge Consecration Sunday, I would like us to shift our focus from the church or from what Jesus thinks about you and your pledge. But I want us to reflect on who you are as givers. In what spirit are you giving to the church today? Are you giving with perhaps some bitterness in your heart that you couldn't give more? Perhaps there is some force in your life that is devouring your house, it seems. Are you giving with a heavy heart, with sadness that there's not enough for the church or for you or in the world? Perhaps you're giving with joy and giving with hope. And my prayer for each and every one of you this morning is that you are giving in that spirit of joy and hope and in the life-giving nature of this particular form of resource. And if you're not giving in that joy and hope, my prayer is that God will find a way for this spiritual exercise of giving to transfigure your spirit. And as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, transfiguration means to make more beautiful, to make more spiritual. My prayer is that for each and every one of us today, no matter how much or what we give, that it makes us more beautiful and it makes us more spiritual. Amen.